0: Hello all, and welcome to Brewing with Jim, hosted by Jim Brewington. Jim is a pastor and a teacher, and has served in these roles for the past 45 years. He has worked in small churches and mega churches, primarily as a teacher serving both the hearing and the deaf population. We have surveyed the students here at CVCS and do our best to create a genuine conversation around the talking points the students want to know most about. Thank you all for listening and taking time to brew Life's Questions with Jim. Hello all and welcome to Brewing with Jim. I am your producer,
1: Grady Sanchez, and as always, we have Jim. Hi everybody, and uh, thank you for listening to us and responding to us. It's been encouraging.
0: Thank you all for listening to today's show. We have great topics to cover today. Our first one comes in, in the wake of homecoming and young love, Jim, can you address what it means to be in love? How does the world define love, and what does the Bible have to say about being in love?
1: Whoa, big topic, big, big topic. (laughs) Fortunately, uh, we can start with what God talks about love, we can talk about, because he has been uh, conveniently uh, providing what love is in his word. Uh, I think to talk about, well, there are seven Greek words for love, and they're all different kinds of concepts. And unfortunately for us in the Bible, they're translated all into one word love. And we can't see the difference unless we do the Greek studies. So uh, I think the best way to approach agape love, which is the love that is God, and the love he exudes from himself to others and we are to manifest both to him and to other people agape love is probably the place to start it's the one that normal not normally maybe normally uh, the majority of people say is unconditional love now i think the way to study that is the way that the secret service for example in the united states are in charge of counterfeit money. I mean, they protect people like the president, the vice president, but they are actually in charge of detecting counterfeit currency. And their training, I'm told, uh, consists mostly of looking at the genuine currency, the real currency. And when they know what that is, then it's easy to detect uh, what is false and what is counterfeit. So let's look at what the Bible says about the real love, God's love. And it's throughout the Bible, but really particularly in what's nicknamed the love chapter, which is 1 Corinthians 13. Um, He talks there about what love is, but he talks more about what love isn't. So let me start with what love, uh, agape love, uh, isn't. Um, First of all, there are five steps to agape love, or five points. The first one is, it's a decision. Number one, it's a decision. We make a decision to love somebody else. God does not make that decision because his nature is love. But our nature uh, is not love. It's uh, a bunch of other things. And so we start with um, making a decision to love somebody. When the protégés that I am blessed to have uh, originally come to me and asked me, will you mentor me? I... Uh, my answer is, I don't know, let's get together and talk about this. And so we defined the relationship. And at the end of that lunch, uh, I make a decision that I will love you. And I tell them, I have made a decision that I will love you. When they have written testimonies about what the mentoring relationship is like, they have said that was the most startling and relieving and fulfilling thing that they have ever heard anybody say about love. So it's a decision. We make that decision. It's love. Isn't something we fall into. Uh, It isn't something that is generated by emotions or attraction. It is something else. And it starts with a decision. Now, the second part uh, of this in no particular order is that it's not based on emotion. It's not based on feelings. Feelings and emotion are there thank God they're there. I like that part. But if the feelings go away, the love remains. So the love isn't based on the feelings. The feelings are uh, ancillary. They're, they're uh, an augmentation, uh, an addition to the love that is there. Um, having been married uh, now 50 years, I can tell you that every night is not like the wedding night. There are times when the feelings just uh, are diluted uh, or resolved, gone away. But the love remains. So while we have emotions and we have feelings, uh, the love isn't based on that. All right. You asked about worldly love. Often worldly love is based on the feelings. And when the feelings go away, the relationship is, well, I guess we're not really meant for each other, or I guess something is gone that is missing that we didn't have in the beginning, or we did have in the beginning. All right, number three, it's not based on attraction. Um, there probably is an initial attraction to anybody that we love, and I can talk about... Um, a, girls. I can talk about women. I can talk about um, somebody who is potentially going to be my wife forever. And there is attraction there. I'm sure it's almost always there. Probably physical when we first see somebody. But it doesn't have to be physical. It can be uh, we like to do the same things. Or we have the same sense of humor. Or we get along. Or we seem to be a good fit. But that attraction is is there. The attraction goes away. The person that Debbie married 50 years ago is not the person who's sitting right here in front of this microphone right now. Uh, She married uh, a restaurant manager and a bartender and uh, a former naval officer. And uh, I was not really walking with the Lord. I was a Christian, but I was not a disciple. And then, uh, I changed. Now, I'm a pastor, I'm an author, I'm a counselor, I'm all these, you see how, so the attraction changes, and the interest in another person because they like to do the same things, changes into, I don't care if we do the same things or like the same things. I'll do anything that you want to do. I'll go watch the movie that's the chick flick uh, because I enjoy watching you enjoy it or I enjoy being with you while we do it. So the attraction can come and go. It certainly peaks and valleys in frequency. All right. Number four, it's not based on reciprocation. It's really nice if the other person loves you back, but it isn't required for agape love. God's love to me is a constant flow, and if I don't love him back, the love does not stop. Uh, I raised two boys, Debbie and I together, raised two boys. Um, There were times when the love was not intense. The love still existed, but the reciprocation from them was not always there. Uh, I think many children, teenagers, will say, I hate you. I don't want to be in this family anymore. I don't want to do what you tell me to do. Why should I have to do? Well, at that time, the reciprocation of the love is gone. There's no reciprocity. But the love continues. It just continues. So we have um, attraction that seems to go away. Oh, I just thought of something, attraction. I think there are times when your spouse may be sick will be sick. I I can guarantee it. I think that a person should not really get married until they've helped the other person through vomiting and diarrhea. Because I can and then check how attractive she is, he is. Uh, If you think that's bizarre, I can guarantee you that if you are married for any length of time, you will have to go through that experience. And that's part of the love. All right. So we've talked about it's a decision. It's not based on emotion. It's not based on attraction. It's not based on reciprocity or someone loving you back. And the last characteristic of agape love is it does not end. Number five, it does not end. There is nothing in the Bible that says that we are to set up a time when the love is over it just doesn't end. And we have to go, in In order to be biblical, we have to go into the relationship and into a love situation um, with the idea that this isn't going to end. But talking about marriage, Uh, more than 50% of the marriages end in divorce, and that's both in the church and out of the church. And I have done a gazillion weddings, I've officiated at many, many weddings, And I can tell you that uh, they all promise that I will stay with you until death parts us. But they don't, because they don't understand the concept that this doesn't end. Now, there have been really rough moments in my married life with Debbie, and she's had most of them. And I think there have been times when we've both been at the door ready to walk out, but we didn't because we promised each other that we wouldn't, and we promised God that we would not do that, and we didn't, and I'm so glad we haven't. She is my best friend, and we enjoy each other uh, tremendously. And besides, it costs a lot of money to get a divorce. Can you imagine? To a, so Debbie and I are staying together for the dog. Uh, that, God, <laughs> that's, um, that's what I have to say about what love is. Uh, anything that is defined by the world, other than that, it's another kind of love. And it's very trendy for people to say love one another and uh, love anybody and love anything, meaning tolerate any behavior, tolerate any thinking, tolerate any God, tolerate any value. And it does not mean that. We, uh, we go by those five uh, characteristics of agape love. Is, well, that, is that, that okay? That is was, that enough? That was great.
0: <laughs> um, I would agree on all of them. <laughs> so I've been married for four years to my lovely wife. She is my everything, my best friend, and I am a romantic. I on our first date, I knocked on her door. She answered, and that was it for me. <laughs> she she was it. Love at first sight. Call me the hopeless romantic. I had that initial attraction, the step three, <laughs> and then on date two, it was, I was the weird kid that got. I was like, hey, my values. I don't date to date. I date for marriage, and I see that with you. And we that was the second date, and that's might be weird in today, and a little forward. Uh, I proposed to her at ten months, and we got. Married at just under a or a little over a year of being together, and she's she's my whole world, and it's just how funny God works in those moments. Is we've gone through all of that when we had our first child, and the hospital isn't necessarily the what you were talking. You got to see him sick, and true. And when childbirth is not one of those things, that is a clean process. <laughs> And it just brought up a question for me was, like, love languages. How much do you put into the love languages? Because for me, it's service. I love in service, and I also appreciate love exhibited as service, too. Um, if it's the dishes, if it's diapers, if it's, it's, if it's all of that. How, how, do, what, how do love languages play in a relationship that can exhibit the agape love?
1: You know, isn't love language kind of a, a book topic yeah. or kind of a trendy yeah. uh, expression? I'm not sure right. exactly what that means. I think okay. that um, in the Bible uh, and in the, uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is kindness. We mm-hmm. are to be kind. Uh, loving kindness are linked together. It's one word. They are linked together. And uh, I didn't intend to talk about kindness, but I will. Um, Kind, to be kind, I've done the biblical word study, uh, Old Testament and New, it's the same. To fervently provide that which is needed with a pleasant disposition. All right. Fervently with lots of energy. Provide, do something. That which is needed requires determining what is really needed, not wanted, and doing it with a pleasant disposition. If there is a four-year-old playing in the street and the bus is coming, what's needed? I go into the street. I jerk the kid out of the street, even if I dislocate his shoulder because the bus is right there. And I take him over to the—and he's scared and he's crying. And I take him over to the curb and maybe farther in, like the sidewalk, and we sit down and that's not the time for me to shake my finger in his face and tell him how wrong he was. That's the time for me to sit down, Holy Spirit-like, and comfort him. So I have fervently, with great energy, I ran into the street, provided I jerked him out in front of the bus that which is needed. He needed to be out of the way of the bus. Uh, and then I did it with a pleasant disposition. Uh, That's a manifestation of love. Now, if that's what books are calling love language, that's love language. But I have to determine that which is needed. People confuse being kind with being nice. Nice is the opposite of kindness. Nice is um, being agreeable. There's a dictionary definition. It's being agreeable. So if an alcoholic asks me to get him a drink and I do, that's nice, but it's not kind. It's unkind. That's not what is needed. So uh, and I, I think I've read the whole book, the whole Bible. There's not one place in the Bible that says we're to be nice to each other. There are many places they say we are to be kind to one another with a pleasant disposition. So. Uh, you hit me with the love language yeah, question. Just, is that okay? Yeah, yeah, I was just
0: curious to see. It's all fad, fads, and I was just curious to know <laughs> if you had any insight on that. Um.
1: Well, the manifestation of God's love is the language. Hmm. Whatever that requires, and from Genesis through maps, you can find that uh, manifestation of, of God's love throughout, primarily from him, but... Also from each other. I will never leave you or forsake you. So there's no end to it. There's number five. Mm-hmm. That's, those are God's words. And then in, in your experience, what are some of the
0: things that you could tell our young listeners and all our listeners? Maybe a key to your longevity, your, your marriage, in those tough moments. What is What advice would you have for those listeners who are wondering
1: about your relationship? High schoolers are living in a culture, as we all are, uh, of determining who you want to spend your time with by determining what do they like to do and uh, what age are they. Well, all the high schoolers are approximately the same age. But when we think about, forget marriage for just a moment, talk about friendship, we can exchange with reciprocity sometimes Uh, love with our friends and make a decision that I'm going to love you. Well, um, that's the opposite of cancel culture. The most salient manifestation of God's love is acceptance. And it isn't based on approval. Approval has nothing to do with acceptance. Except if you're in high school, uh, even if you're uh, 70 years old, you can still have the high school mentality of I must. You, you have to be the same political party that I am. If you're of a different political party, I don't think we can spend time together. If you're of a different religion, uh, no. Even peripheral theological differences, uh, no, I think you're wrong about that. Uh, we probably are not going to get along. Uh, I will accept you. Oh, you're a different age than I am. Old people should have young friends and young friends young people should have old friends because the benefits from that flow in both directions. so they they the high schoolers, young people live in a culture of uh, should I accept you or should I not accept you there are cliques in the in the high school. Uh, You don't play the same sport I do. You play no sport? Oh, well, we're not going to have anything in common. We can't be with each other. So when we determine that acceptance has nothing to do with approval, we've opened up a whole ocean of relationships with people that we can benefit from and they can benefit, but I think more importantly, that we can both enjoy.
0: I I very much enjoy this friendship Jim. I I'm, I'm so thankful for you. I've me too. as I'm sitting here, I'm just learning so much and and reflecting on and grateful for the agape love that God has for us and you have kind of in the moment right now kind of revitalized that idea for me and it's it's so nice. <laughs> it's it's so relieving. And and thank you for your uh, great insight on the topic love, and we will be covering it more and more, but this is... My pleasure. It's relieving place. because...
1: <laughs> relieving it, is the word that I was... Yeah, It's relieving because God made us that way. He made us to love, and then he commanded us to do so. So the, the feeling, if you will, the spiritual reaction to our brains are... Oh. Oh, this is nice. Now, there's a thrill of a new friendship. I understand that. And there's a a thrill of meeting people who potentially will like me and accept me. But when that thrill is gone, there is the comfort, Holy Spirit comfort, the the satiation of being uh, in a relationship with another person that is the manifestation of God's love. Mm so good
0: okay so good uh thank you for your thoughts and we are going to enter a time of a lighter question jim i get this all the time from students you might get it too we got it on the on the question forum what are your thoughts on tattoos
1: (laughs) (laughs) really that's it okay um well i grew up in a time you know back during the civil war when there weren't many uh, tattoos, people, that that was strange. And at that time, people who had tattoos were considered uh, uneducated and uh, not good thinkers. Uh, there was a negative connotation to it. Uh, I remember going to carnivals like the fair, and they would have what at that time was called the freak shows. And you would go in, and there would be the tattoo man, and he would have Uh, tattoos everywhere and sleeves of tattoos on his arms. And I don't know what you call them on the legs, but uh, that whole pattern of up and down. And we paid to see that. Now it's just everywhere. It's trendy. And it's part of um, what some people would call attractive, I suppose. What is attractive and what isn't attractive is kind of the person who's looking uh, the eye of the beholder thing, but uh, I, I don't want to tell you what my personal opinion is, but I can tell you that the Bible says that we are to live our life in such a way that when people look at us, they see Christ within us, that we are, I'm in First Timothy now, that uh, we are to live uh, uh, and dress and appear with dignity. Uh, Always be ready with an answer or reason for the hope that lies within you to be given with reverence and with dignity. We have obligations as Christians to appear dignified. Um, I'm in no way saying that uh, people, women, I think, should not wear makeup. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that if there is a part of the way we present ourselves, um, eyelash extensions going down to the lower cheeks when you blink or <laughs> Dangling jewelry that's everywhere and I I think some piercings that can be visible When somebody is looking at that that's all they see and they don't see the person and they certainly don't see Christ Who within a, is, who is within us? I, I'm not saying don't wear makeup. i if the barn needs painting, paint it. (laughs) But I do some people, um, men and women are so uh, outgoing in the way they look. Uh, Outgoing is a weird word. They are so um, extensive in the way that they have created themselves to look that that's all people can see. Now, as a pastor, Do I have the biblical right, if you will, or the permission to get a tattoo on my forehead? Well, the answer is yes. But should I do it? The answer is no. I shouldn't. Because when I am talking to somebody about a serious subject like love, all they can do is stare at my forehead. And that God has written in his word is not to be done. Yeah. Now, First Timothy, I know, is a pastoral epistle. Uh, Paul wrote that for pastors. I think that that part applies to to everybody. Um, there are a couple of scriptures have to do with tattoos. One is uh, Leviticus. Correct me if I don't get this right. Nineteen twenty-eight, I think. Do not tattoo your body. Oops. But that's in Leviticus and. To take that as, uh, pluck that scripture out as a life applied scripture is wrong because context is everything. And who was that scripture written to? Well, Leviticus was written to the Le- Levitical priest, the tribe of Levi. Uh, who were the priests? The priests were not to do that. Um, and I think you mentioned to me the other day the Revelation scripture, Revelation 19. Yes. Um, it, it states that. Um, in Revelations
0: 19 that Jesus comes back with um, Lord of Lords and King of Kings on his thigh, on his robe and on his thigh. And so when I was in youth group, uh, we had asked my pastor who had tattoos, like, oh, is it okay to have tattoos? And so one of his responses was um, that verse. And I've heard it from other places too. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting topic or an interesting idea. There is no tattoo
1: in that verse. All of uh, Revelation Uh, 19 is about the return of Christ Mm -hmm. and his glory, uh, riding on a white horse and so forth. Um, I would suggest that people who are listening to us right now would read that whole chapter. Uh, Yes, he had that vestiture on. He has on this robe, if you will. Uh, That's the same vestiture he wore to the cross and was put on the ground of the cross and the people down there, centurions, were uh, casting lots for that because he appeared to be defeated, suffering and dying on the cross, and they didn't care even enough to look up. They wanted his robe, and they were casting lots. Now he's got the robe on. Same word, coming back into glory and on the thigh of the robe not his skin is lord of or king of kings king of all earthly kings lord of all terrestrial lords and so look at me now if you will i told you i am lord of lords king of kings here on the same robe that you cast lots for is that declared identity for you so and he doesn't have a sword there that's where the sword is to be worn but the sword are the words that come out of his mouth that's earlier in that same chapter that so he doesn't need a metal sword he needs the declaration he doesn't need anything he has the declaration of his identity uh, on there so don't use that as a proof text for tattoos that's Not going to work. Now, personal desires and attractions, and they vary. And we don't have time to talk about that right now. Awesome. Thank you
0: for your insight on today's show. Thank you all for listening to Brewing with Jim. I hope. We have inspired some thoughts, some questions, and some new discovery in your own lives. Please feel free to send your questions in at brewingwithjim@gmail.com, at gmail.com, and we will interact and interface with you. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, thank, thank you, you very much. The topics covered and answers offered in Brewing with Jim mind the wisdom attained from a life of pastoral ministry and care. They do not constitute professional or clinical training or expertise in the areas of counseling or mental health. CVCS and its podcast network want to provide a platform for the discipleship of our community. Brewing with Jim is our attempt to foster that environment in a format that is accessible and open for all to partake in. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the speaker's own and may or may not represent the views thoughts and opinions of capistrano valley christian schools or its faculty the material and information presented here are for general information purposes only this episode has been a production of the capistrano valley christian schools podcast network capistrano valley christian schools is a christian jk through 12 school in san juan capistrano california Be sure to check out, subscribe to, and leave a review of this show and the other shows on our network on your podcast player of choice. Doing so supports the school community in a multitude of ways. For more information about the CVCS Podcast Network or any of our other shows, check out cvcs.org or email podcasts at cvcs.org. On behalf of the whole network, this is Mr. Jasper saying thank you again for listening and stay tuned for more.